Hello, and welcome back to Idiots Alphabet Soup. We are back. It's us. We're the idiots. And it's so cold right now. And also so snowy. I declare winter weather has hit. And it, it is 15 degrees outside. And I- You know what, though? What? Sorry, I interrupted you. <laughs> it's okay. I interrupted you earlier when I didn't expect you to say we're back. Okay, but like, can we talk about how I've never had a snowball fight and or made a snow angel and or shoveled the driveway? That is like kind of crazy to me. I understand. Well, okay, first of all, I understand it when I remember that you're from the Philippines. And also, like, I can't judge you for not ever shoveling a driveway because I have never shoveled a driveway because we just like, it doesn't snow often enough in Oregon to do that. Um, but like, can't believe you've never had a snowball fight. I feel like that's like basic human instincts coming out when it snows. <laughs> well, okay. So like anytime it snows in Maryland or like if there's a snow day in like when I was going to grad school in, in Blacksburg, like there was n- no one to like play with. Like you don't mm. play out in the snow with your friends when you're our age, probably, right? That's... I can see that, yeah. I guess I haven't... I think maybe it depends on, like, who you live with, too. Because I feel like like if you and I were roommates in Virginia and it snowed, like, we would have a snowball fight. Oh, yeah, you know what I mean? for sure. But or, like, like with yeah. my siblings. But I don't think I've you... had the kind of friends to have snowball fights with. Yeah. Did you ever... I guess the answer is no. So this isn't even a question, but I wanted to talk about this. At Virginia Tech, every year when it, like they get their first like actual snow the there's a giant on-campus snowball fight um where it's really like, all the, yeah it's like all the cadets versus all the people who are not cadets and i have never participated or even watched but i've heard about it and like i think it's kind of fun and adorable this idea of like all these college kids going out on the drill field and having like a gigantic snowball fight that is so cute like it really yeah. warms my heart i must say I remember when it first snowed in Virginia Tech in my first year, my roommates and I, we went to the drill field to take pictures, but that was it. I remember seeing one of those pictures. Was it like you like crouching in the snow and like maybe you had built like a little snowman or something? I don't remember. Yes, it was that. And then, okay, like this is just a little piece of information about myself, but like growing up, I... Like, I didn't see snow till I was, like, 18, 19. Mm-hmm. Like, real snow. And the only, like, frame of reference I had for, like, winter and, like, snow things is, like, Christmas shows and or, like, Christmas movies. I just kind of assumed that when it was winter time, it would snow all the time. Like, I thought yeah. it was just never-ending snow. Because anytime you, like, watch a Christmas movie, like, everything is picked like picture perfect like snow on the roof and like it's snowing and like you just don't see any like scenes where it's just cold and not snowing yeah that's that's so true I wonder why that is well oh actually I wonder if part of it is that often those movies are filmed in the summer and so like they have to make sure it looks like winter so they just like throw snow everywhere (laughs) Yeah, and so I was kind of disappointed when I moved here, and I was like, wait, what, It's it snows only once a year, and then it's good for, like, two days, and then it looks like trash? 
That's so understandable. There's been snow on the ground here, Catherine, for like a week now. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. I love it. Not yeah. quite a week, but almost a week. I think like the snow over here is at least like six inches. Because because I, I made a snow angel yesterday. Nice. Yeah. I have not made a snow angel. Part of it is that like I don't have the clo- the proper clothing for like actually going gung ho and playing in the snow. Yeah, you need like a a winter jacket situation. And like winter snow pants. I think that's like yeah. the biggest thing. Like I could make do with like the jacket situations I have, but I don't have like something to keep my legs warm and dry. Yeah. Speaking of how cold it's been though, I need to tell the people what happened as a result of the very cold temperatures overnight. Yes. Okay. So here in Blacksburg, the one night it got down to like seven degrees overnight um, Fahrenheit. Or maybe it got colder. I don't know. Anyway, it was seven degrees when I walked to school at 8 a.m. that morning. And when I arrived at my office, I found that a it was so cold that a pipe had burst in the building we're in mm-hmm. and it just so happened that the pipe that burst was right above my cubicle <laughs> and so i show up and like the power's out there i go in i'm like shining my flashlight because i was gonna just I, I didn't realize it was flooded right there so i was like i'm just gonna grab my laptop and get out of here um and i go in and there's like water all over the floor water all over my desk and like it felt, it felt like there was just destruction and devastation all around me. Like, all my notebooks were all wet. All my books were all wet. I had a box of Kleenexes in there, and it was just, like, sopping. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that was that was a, a tough morning. Um, <laughs> I, like, called Catherine afterwards. I was like, Catherine, my office flooded. <laughs> Yeah, you called me at like eight in the morning or something, and I was like still asleep because I was working <laughs> from home. And so, like, obvi, I would get up at eight fifty nine for my nine o'clock job. Um, but I usually like I thought you called me because you do this thing where if I don't answer in the morning, you think that like I'm still asleep and you like wake me up. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you called. And I was like, hey, good morning. I'm awake. But like, really, I was still in bed. And then you're like, my office. Oh, no, you answered it with Catherine. My life sucks. <laughs> oh, man. I was like, this is, it was just awful. Um, cause yeah, thankfully, my like, department laptop survived. But, um, yeah, I lost a bunch of books and notebooks, which is which is sad. But like, it's it's okay. All the things are replaceable, and I'm up and put up in a different office now. So like, that's cool. Um, yeah, but that was a roller coaster of a day. Where are, are you say? being put up? Um. Okay. So there was someone in the same office. It was Kyle. Um, uh-huh. He got hired as a as like faculty. And so um, he's not in the office anymore. So they're just like, you can just go with that one. Nice. Yeah. Um, Anyway, but yeah, then that day was a roller coaster of a day because later that day I found out that um, I got a fellowship through the College of Science for like 
a nice a nice chunk of money and didn't I had like did not know it was coming before that day um and so that was <laughs> it was like my week was pretty boring except um <laughs> except like the one day it was like both the worst and the best day or, like the, <laughs> the worst and the best things all happened to me in one day everything notable was in that day yeah um but what's what's been going on with you this week Catherine? Well, this week has kind of been interesting because um, it doesn't really snow a lot in Maryland. So anytime it does, everyone freaks out and suddenly doesn't know how to drive. Um, and I I have to say, I milked that for what it was worth. I worked from home practically all week last week. I only went to the office once and it was kind of traumatic for me. Well, not really, but like... Um, yeah, we can't talk about that. Well, no, part of the reason, too, that it was traumatic for you was you oh, forgot right. your coat. Yes, okay, I forgot my coat. Because I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on the podcast, but your girl is, like, very absent-minded. Like, unironically, I, me and Jenny have gone to the grocery store, and I'm still in, like, bunny slippers or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is, like pretty standard for me to like forget things um, to like be forgetful on my way out of the door um and so like I felt hot in the moment because I had like a sweatshirt on and I was like okay I'm ready to go I left and then when I get to the mark train station I was just like oh no I don't have my coat and it's 12 degrees outside um yeah and like Clearly, anytime I'm distressed, I have to send you a little text and be like, Jenny, I I did a boo-boo. <laughs> like, I don't know what I said, but I, like, immediately complained to you about it. Oh, and I was like, oh, my word, you poor thing. Because, yeah, it was like you had a hoodie. And you, like, you weren't even wearing socks. Yes, I wasn't wearing socks. I put on my tights and then just put my shoes on. Like, I'm very absent-minded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I felt very sorry for you. And um, I didn't even have a beanie. I wore a hat. <laughs> um, oh. But yeah, so that was a little bit too much. And then I just stayed home the rest of the day. Um, and then, and then, I, in the like last two weeks that I... <laughs> in the last two weeks, I've gotten like unhealthily obsessed with... <laughs> embroidering and sewing oh man did you talk about that when we were talking about new year's resolutions how you decided you wanted to learn to sew and then learn to embroider yes okay i think i did because like the last episode was titled it's so not so oh you're so right (laughs) yeah so i i actually did learn and i i set up my sewing machine and everything and i made a tote bag and I think I'm pretty good, considering. <laughs> I, I think I think so, too. Uh, it was really funny because, like, she was working on this project. And she was like, Jenny, I can't tell you what it is because it's going to be a gift for you and it has to be a secret. <laughs> but, like, so she has the camera, like, aimed so I can't see what she's working on. And we're, like, sitting and chatting. <laughs> and then about two hours in, she goes, nice, I think I am almost finished with the tote. <laughs> And I was like, what? And she was like, oh, um, um, um. <laughs> oh, man. It's like so bad. I can't keep a secret from you, like, ever. 
It was really funny. Because, like, I honestly thought you were going to manage to to hang on to it. Because you were, like, doing really good about not letting me see what you were up to. Mm-hmm. And then when I said it, I was like, okay, I'm going to show you what I'm working on. <laughs> yeah. And I am very impressed. Um, and yeah, you've also just been embroidering a lot. A lot, Specifically a lot. that one pair of overalls. Yeah, it's, like, literally the one pair of overalls. And I've I've just been, like... Ooh, I gotta think of things that aren't corny, but also cute. So, like, I don't have any flowers on there, or... What What are the typical things that people embroider? Is it flowers and, like, leaves? Yeah, maybe, like, Probably. flowers and leaves. Yeah. I mean, it kind of depends on, like, what the vibe is. Um, my favorite bit is when Catherine's like, what should I embroider next? And I just give her, like, uh, a million of the randomest things. <laughs> Be like a skateboard, a goose, a <laughs> glass of water. You're um, so dumb. Yeah. Chopstick. <laughs> like just that type of thing. And I'm like, Catherine, I'm giving you all these great ideas. Why aren't you taking them? <laughs> oh man. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I think I'm getting really good at embroidering. But I my hands have have been poked many times and I I don't like that yeah yeah I feel like your fingertips eventually just like start to become numb to the pain of being poked yeah I just like lose all feeling yeah yeah it is tough like talk about the plight of womanhood (laughs) amen sister Allie, my poor oh, fingies. Like also, may, like men may go to war, but we poke our fingers with needles. <laughs> it's just so ridiculous, Jenny. Because, like, also here's the thing, right? Is like the whole premise of this, like, oh, I'm gonna learn to sew. It's gonna be great because I'm just gonna make things, and it's gonna be so much cheaper. And look at me being granola, and like. Ooh, uh, I'm a thrifty queen because I'm going to learn how to sew. And it is, like, embarrassing how much money I sunk into this hobby. Yeah, sewing is, sewing is really interesting because, like, you can spend a lot of money on sewing supplies. Like, you you buy a pattern. Like, you go to, go to Joann's and buy a pattern. It can be, like, $20. And then you spend another, like, $20 on fabric. And then, like, you have to buy all the things. If you're also buying a sewing machine, like, that's expensive. I feel like the like sewing saves you money when like you've had your machine for long enough that it's the cost per use is way down and also when like you're able to find fabric and patterns for cheap or like you find fabric cheap and you're using patterns that you thrifted or something. Yeah, also I think it's also valuable when you like start repairing things probably yes like the whole like mending altering situation yeah i i think i'm having a good time and like i i think it's like really useful i mean i think i'm picking it up at a reasonable pace just because like when i like something i get like super obsessed with it and i just Mm -hmm. don't stop thinking about it yeah it's it was funny, I thought, when I, um, because, like, I feel like learning to sew is, in some ways, I think, unique to some other, some other skills that you learn, where, like, you are going to make a lot of mistakes at the beginning that you have to, mm-hmm. like, go back and redo. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so, like, I remember telling you when you started, like, Catherine, you're going to have to buy a seam ripper. This is very important. <laughs> and then when you made your, you sewed your first tote back, you were like, Jenny, I put that seam ripper to use. <laughs> I was like, yes, so relatable. Yeah. Well, I was getting too cocky, right? I I looked something up online and I was like, okay, I, I like, looked at the instructions and I did it. I, I followed them quite faithfully. And then after a while... You know, you know how you're sewing, you're doing everything inside out. And then I was of the opinion that I could figure it out from there. <laughs> and I thought, you know what? I don't need to look at the instructions anymore. I know how to flip things inside out. Like, I'm not two and I don't eat paste. So I can figure this out. And I messed up so bad. And it was like, literally, it was a Tuesday night. And it was a Tuesday night. It was 1.30 in the morning. And I had work at 9 a.m. the next day. And I just kind of wanted to cry a little bit. Oh, man, that's so funny. Yeah. And then I sent you like a picture of like my first attempt. And I told you I would try again the next day. And you know what? I learned from my mistakes. That's... That's the thing to do. That's just thing to do. That's just thing to do. Yeah, you, now that you're, like, getting into hobbies that, like, like, I had them, but now, like, you're getting into them, I keep being like, oh, I need to, I need to make sure I'm doing those things, too. So, like, you were doing your embroidery, I'm like, oh, yeah, I should start embroidering. Like, so, I, I need something to embroider right now. Or, like, you started sewing that, and now I'm like, man, maybe I should, like, that sewing project I've been thinking about, like, maybe I should do that. Yeah, here's, like, the thing, too, is, like, Anytime one of us gets super into something, like, the other one always has to, like, join in. Yes, or at least, like, <laughs> tangentially join in. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, like, so ridiculous. Also, should we update them on, like, what we've been doing with the Book of Proverbs? Yes, because that's been one of those things that you and I have both been quite gung-ho into. <laughs> right. Okay, so we are two and a half chapters in yes. on the Book of Proverbs, and we memorize them, and... It's the King James Version, so um, that's like an extra flex, probably, maybe. <laughs> Not really. I feel like it is, because, like, going into it, you have to figure out, like, okay, what is the difference between shall and shalt? What is the difference between thy and thine? That sort of thing. Yes. And it's just so poetic. Like, no joke, Book of Proverbs, it's full of bangers. Oh, there are some bangers. It's in all the bangers. Proverbs. Like, uh, you know, my favorite. What is it, Catherine? It's like, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will laugh when your fear cometh, when your fear cometh as desolation, and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you. Then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. Ah! Banger. <laughs> Banger. Yeah, I really like, um, there's one we, we just, we just memorized, um, that's like, uh, the Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth, by understanding hath he established the heavens, um, by his knowledge, the depths are broken up and clouds drop down the dew, and the yeah, clouds that is, drop down the dew. That's like a, that's deep. That's a thing. Yeah. There's oh, also this passage, I, there's this passage I love where it's like. Talking about how the sinners are going to try and entice this guy. And like, ooh, <laughs> I like to get really into that one. <laughs> <laughs> but 
yeah, we have we have. I feel like we got a pretty good system down. We usually memorize yeah. about like five verses a day, and then um, we use WhatsApp to send voice memos to each other, where we like quote as much of the chapter as we've memorized so far, and then the and other it- person listens and checks for mistakes. It's, like, actually hilarious how competitive we are because, like, we do not let anything slide. Like, when you say paths instead of path, like, you're getting... You're getting caught. (laughs) You got caught. If you say... You get an and or you forget a the. Yeah. You got caught. If you say that instead of which, you got caught. But anyway... Uh um. I would highly recommend memorizing the book of Proverbs. Really? It's, it's like, I mean, I really, in a way that I mean, yes, I agree. (laughs) It's a, it's a great experience. I've quite enjoyed it. Um, And it like makes me feel like I'm making my brain work, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it makes me feel like I'm better than everybody else because I have so much of the book of Proverbs memorized. It is really easy to whip it out, like, in any situation. Yeah. From, like, the two and a half chapters that we memorized. <laughs> um, oh, man. We're getting a little too cocky. All right. So, enough about our lives. Um, what are we talking about today, Catherine? What's the uh, literary aspect of the Idiot's Alphabet Soup today? Right. Because we need to talk about books, too. <laughs> yeah. It's not all about us. Surprisingly, <laughs> hate that, but <laughs> we do need to talk about books. Okay. Well, we read this book called The Poisonwood Bible by Barbara Kingsolver. Should I give a brief summary about it? That sounds like a great idea. Okay. So the Poisonwood Bible is about this family from Bethlehem, Georgia. I think it was Georgia, yeah. Yeah, from Bethlehem, Georgia. To be clear, Georgia Georgia the state, not Georgia the country. Georgia, not Georgia. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, I should probably cut that out. Um, But okay. Nathan Nathan Price is the dad, and he has his wife, Orleana, and his four daughters, Rachel, Leah, Ada, and... Ruth May. He volunteers for a mission to some middle of nowhere town in the Congo to evangelize like these um, Congolese people. And so our story starts there. And these girls are like plucked from like middle class suburbia into the dense, unforgiving jungle. And the family is transformed through hardship and, um, may I say, harsh vibes. (laughs) Oh, also, it was set in the 60s, so a little bit after World War II. Yeah. Um, Or 1960-something. Yeah, it was set in, like, the 1960s, yeah. Yeah. Which, it's, it's so, it's really easy to forget that, because, like, the area they're living in, in the Congo, is quite undeveloped, and so, I don't know if undeveloped is the right word there, but, like, there's very little technology available there so it feels like they're like back in the 1920s or something and then you're like oh wait no yeah like airplanes airplanes are quite common (laughs) here like they just like can't get to them people have tvs and air conditioning and Um, real houses but yeah it's set like around the time um of the congo becoming an independent country 
And so that's, it's also a kind of a plot point in the book, but it's, it's more like that's the setting that the book is in, not necessarily what the book is about, but also the book becomes more about it. I feel like I said that in a really confusing way, but um, teaser. <laughs> yeah. So basically while the story is going, there's also like, the story is set with the backdrop being the Congo being freed from the Belgians and them like dealing with that stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, the we ended up on this book because I was at my favorite bookstore, Blacksburg Books, and I picked it up because I thought it looked interesting. And then I read it and I was like, Catherine, you have to read this. I love this book. <laughs> it is um, a great book. Yeah. It was a, one of Oprah's book club books. Yes. And if you're doing Brighter Winter, uh, you can use it because it's set in Africa and um, the family has more than four kids. I mean, four or more kids. Yeah. So. Um, I I quite enjoyed also how this book is, it's told from mostly from the four daughters' perspectives, which is really fun. And I like like how each of them has a very unique voice. All right, Jenny. Okay. What would you say are the themes of this book? Because you know we both love a good theme. We both love a good theme. I I must admit, Catherine, I tried to like think of a theme that wasn't like Yeah, you know how sometimes you read a book and there's like the sort of well duh themes where like, of course that's a theme? Like I was trying to think mm-hmm. deeper to like what's a deeper th- theme? And I struggled to identify one. You identified one, so I'm gonna let you say that yourself. Um, <laughs> I would say, like, colonization is a big theme here mm-hmm. um, on sort of a, a m- smaller level. It's like this missionary family that's coming into this Congolese village and like trying to tell them all how they ought to be living um, and trying to give them this like very strict idea of what um, like how they need to become a Christian and all of these Mm -hmm. things. And then on a larger level, um, you have like the Congo um, who is colonized by Belgium and then them sort of breaking free of that. And you see a lot of the negative effects of colonization in that way. So I would say one of the themes is colonization. Yeah. There's like a lot of the book is basically just – these people who come in and say you're doing things wrong. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that thought. <laughs> okay. So I'm just going to move forward and yes. say what I thought the theme was. Because, like, obviously the main thing is, like, colonization and, like, ir- like trying to stamp out, like, the the, like native culture of the land and like saying this way is better blah blah blah. Mm -hmm. but I also think it's about like how the deprivation of everything kind of makes you realize what is essential to you Mm. so all of these characters who come from like this country of wealth and like excess are suddenly placed in um this village where they have nothing they literally um don't even have a, f- a decent floor to sleep on. <laughs> um, and, like, there's this interesting scene where the village is attacked by um, ants. Yeah. And you'd think that all of these people would leave 
um, because they want to save their own life. Like that's the most important thing is your own life. But in that experience, one of the characters, the older girl, Rachel, she is quite vain and she's like very good looking. (laughs) She decides to run back into the house and grab a mirror, which is crazy. But we, you realize that, like, what is most important to her and, like, what is essential to her is her own self-image. Mm-hmm. And, like, all these characters kind of go through a transformation of, like, what do I believe? Like, what is my God? And was, So that's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah, it's like they all came to the Congo to try and spread God. But at the end, they ended up really finding what was God to them. And yeah. it wasn't necessarily always god in fact almost never was it god (laughs) in fact Um, the only one who chose god went crazy (laughs) oh man although i think you could argue that he didn't actually choose god like he chose his idea of what god was yeah yeah i Um, could i could see that okay so obviously this book is called poisonwood bible Mm -hmm. um why, like, what is the reason that it's called Poisonwood Bible? Right. So, Poisonwood in Congolese is Bengala or something. I don't know if I'm butchering it. But to the Congolese people, um, the word for Poisonwood is Bengala. Um, and it's funny because if you say it in a slightly different pronunciation, it also means most precious. And so this whole time, Nathan Price, the preacher, is, like, telling all of these Congolese people, like, God, Jesus is Bengala, Jesus is Bengala, but, like, how he's saying it is Jesus is poison wood. When what he's trying to say <laughs> is Jesus is most precious. Yeah. And that's kind of what um, the whole book is about, is this well-intentioned at least in the beginning preacher is trying to bring jesus to this community but what he's actually giving them is just poison yeah (sighs) it's um the relationship between nathan price and the village is so interesting because he comes in with such set ideas of like what is okay he's he like comes in convinced that he needs to baptize every one of them in this river and, like, he cannot convince any of them to be baptized. And he's like, what's going on? And the chief comes along and tries to, like, explain it to him. Or maybe it wasn't the chief. Maybe No, the chief, like, sent somebody. Sent Anatole. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, this guy says to Nathan, he's like, yeah, of course they don't want to get baptized in the river. Like, some kid got eaten by alligators there. And now they're convinced that they let their kids go in the river. They're going to get eaten by alligators. Yeah, but and, he doesn't bother, like, understanding yeah, Nathan- <laughs> these people. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. Yeah, he doesn't bother understanding. He's just like, well, they have to get baptized in the river. <laughs> so you're saying that I need to baptize them in the river. <laughs> oh, man. Um, you know what Nathan Price reminds me of? What? It's like, you ever have that classmate where you, like, explain something to him? It's like, you tell him, okay, classmate, this is my explanation. You need to do A. And then the classmate is like, to... An- the classmate is like, okay, I understand you. That means I have to do not A. <laughs> and you're just like, what? I most definitely have that experience. Or you're like, okay, classmate, 
you need to do A. And they're like, why? And you're like, because right here it says you need to do A. And they look at it and they read it and they say, (laughs) why do I have to do A? (laughs) And then you like go into this long explanation of like, okay, classmate, you need to do A because of B. And he's like, okay, got it. I need to do not A. (laughs) Exactly. And you're just like, oh. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, it was it was an interesting, um, like, parallel with the whole thing of, like, Nathan kind of being, like, trying to bring villi- bring Jesus to the village, but in the end, it kind of ended up being poison. Because um, it was also, like, a theme throughout the book in a lot of different places. Because there was yeah. Nathan with the village, and then... Um, this idea of like the Belgians in the U.S. controlling the Congo mm-hmm. had like a very similar dynamic, and you could even like tie it back to there was a really small story in there about um this parrot named Methuselah that had mm-hmm. been um like the missionary who had been there before the prices had left parrot Methuselah, and um Methuselah like liked to swear and that sort of thing. He was not the most well-behaved parrot. And at one point, Nathan gets all upset and, like, sets Methuselah free. And you'd think, like, oh, that's a good thing, setting this bird free. But because Methuselah had lived in captivity all his life, it ended up being his downfall because he got mm-hmm. eaten by, uh, eaten by like, a wolf or something and, yeah. and died. And uh, he didn't know how to feed himself. Didn't know how to feed himself. Yeah. Yeah. So... In a way, it was like a par- parallel to the Congolese people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, I, I know, I'm sorry, Jenny, I'm jumping I'm jumping around the discussion guide. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I'll like, adapt, I can overcome. <laughs> <laughs> but it kind of reminds me of, like, this conversation I had with you when we were talking about the Covenant of Water. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, the same type of thing where, in my mind, um places like India and the Congo and like even where I'm from the Philippines like all of these countries have been colonized and kind of they've gained their freedom back but like like the government doesn't like work out for them and like you still see like these countries struggling to this day and I kind of came to the conclusion that these like colonized countries like they can't really work with this government because it was not built with their culture or like their ideas in mind like they're trying to work with this like government that has been put in place and has been designed to take advantage of people Mm -hmm. and so how can you grow and prosper if like you didn't build this yourself yeah and so like every colonized country is kind of like methuselah we're like, oh, you gave me freedom, but I don't know what to do with it, and I still need you to survive. Yeah, and it's it's like a it's a situation where because a very like because a bad thing was done, it's almost like there's no path moving forward that isn't like doesn't have something bad about it because like you you can't right. keep Methuselah in his cage all mm-hmm. the time like that's not right. But then yeah. also, like, setting Methuselah free killed him. Yeah. So, like, it's it's tough because it's, like, at that point, is there anything good to do? I don't know. Well, I don't know. Because, like, 
see, I've thought of a way to make it right, but like it's only in the context of like literally the parrot. <laughs> I don't know how you would translate this to like a whole country. Mm-hmm. So, well, like, what would okay, you do for the first of all, ideally, we would want Methuselah to have not been captured in the per- first place. Mm-hmm. But say he's been captured already, then my natural like second best option is to keep Methuselah in captivity, but have his sons grow up in the wild. <laughs> like uh, a good little, yeah. like, yeah. Kind of, I don't know like, how that would like how work. The O-rings, the O-rings in O-ring jungle school, like, they can't get trained to live in the wild unless, um, like, they're young. And so, like, yes, you have them ones that, like, grow up in cap- captivity, but then, like, their kids can maybe yeah, be Yeah, and they go to O-rang jungle school. <laughs> yeah. So that they can, like, live for themselves. Like, I don't know how that would work. Um, for a country, yeah. For a country. And they also brought up, like, a really interesting point about how the Belgians decided that Congo was Congo. Yeah. Like, to these people, they're just, like, these different regions and these different villages and different tribes that lived near each other, but they weren't... There's no sense of camaraderie between these two people. Yes. It was also so interesting with the idea of, like, okay, they're going to have an election now, and so Mm -hmm. they need to, to vote. But it's, like, for all these people, the concept of, like, voting and a 50% majority wins, or, like, Mm -hmm. over a 50% majority, or, like, a majority wins, that sort of thing, was just, Mm -hmm. like, baffling. Because for them, they were, like, when we want to do something, it has to be unanimous so that nobody's upset. Like, why would you do something and have, like, 49% of your people upset? That's so dumb. Yeah. But it was like, okay, this is how we have to do it now. We have to have an election. Yeah. Which, like, yeah, it was just interesting. Well, yeah, I think it also is because, I don't know, like, the culture, maybe the nature of the Congolese people is that they're, like, they live in these insular communities. Mm-hmm. So, like, you wonder why they're fighting for their own, like, self-interest and, like, fighting against each other and going to war against each other when they're supposed to be one country well it's because like the only loyalty they owe is like to their to like their little village Mm -hmm. and that like makes sense like they don't understand why democracy works is because to them like a country their own country is like 20 people (laughs) and like yeah it's really easy to get 20 people to agree than like a million people to agree Mm -hmm. yeah and like yeah, I don't know. It's, it's it's difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I'm so glad I'm not a person who has to figure out what the answers to these things are. I know. It's like, how, how do you have a country not be colonized anymore, but also, like, set it up to be successful? I wish yeah. I knew. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of like, growing up in the Philippines, too, you you still see that kind of mentality of, like, I take care of my own, but, like, my country means nothing kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, that's not a good way to prosper. Yeah. Um, so, so interesting. I thought that was interesting, yeah. That is really interesting. Should we talk about some of the interesting symbolism in the books and, like, moments that we really liked? Okay, yeah, let's do it. Why don't you start? Okay, so... 
what I'm about to say is a is a spoiler. So um, if you're planning on reading this book and you don't want spoilers, now would probably be the time to to stop listening. But like. Yeah, I feel like you'll probably guess this part of the way in, so it's okay. Um, <laughs> um, okay, so you can say one of them. Oh, Don't say who. Yeah, that's that's true. Fairly early on in the book, it's hinted that one of the one of the daughters is going to die while they're in the Congo. Because um, there's like several different sections of the book, and each one starts out with um, something that's from the mom's perspective. And um, it's the idea is that it's like written after the majority of the book takes place. And she she says like, oh, I, I buried one of my daughters in the Congo or like one of my daughters is, is like left in the Congo. And so like, you know, that one of them is going to die. Yes. Um, and like I had my theories about who it was. So maybe this actually maybe I can do this without spoilers. I don't know. Um, I have my theories about who <laughs> it was. Um but I didn't like know for sure, and like I, I didn't feel like it was. I was super confident in it. Um, and then like one of the daughters dies, and I, I got to the end, or I got to where that daughter died, and I was like, wait a second, like of course it was this one, um, mm-hmm. because this daughter liked she, she was all into like spying and like, um, climbing trees and like watching what was going on. And she was fascinated by the idea of the green mamba and how it would like hide in trees and um, just like watch what was going on. And she said like, oh, if I like if I die, I want to come back as a green mamba. And like if I die, um, Mm -hmm. look for me, like look for me in the trees. Like I'll be watching the trees. And you also realize that a lot of the times like these passages that her mom writes are often written kind of to this dead child Mm -hmm. and she'll refer to the child as like the eyes in the trees yeah and so like you get to where this one dies and you're like oh of course like you you said you were gonna come back as a green mamba like you are the eyes in the trees (laughs) it's one of those moments where i was like oh how could i be so dumb yeah um, but yeah, very interesting, like, setup that I did not pick up on, but I quite enjoyed. I was also really sad when the girl died. Oh, it was so sad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's one of those moments where it's, like, you, um, like, figure out what's essential, because the mom is, like, grieving, and then she basically, like, goes into her house mm-hmm. and, like, pulls everything out of it because she's like why do we need a dining table why do we need all these clothes like we don't need any of this and she's just like puts all her stuff on the front lawn and all her neighbors like come and take it away and she's just like yeah just take it like this doesn't matter it's not essential (laughs) you know what else we talked about that was also interesting what this this whole book is kind of commentary on like white centered media in the backdrop of Africa because like here's the thing right is oh no this white family had to live in a hut for a year (laughs) meanwhile and like oh no one of their kids died meanwhile in some other like African chick's house like literally a kid dies every other week and like all the mothers are like wailing and being sad because like only half their kids grow up to be adults 
but oh no, one kid died. Or like, um, these people like are this, literally starving. But anyway, this, go on. This story of like, um, all of this like political turmoil in the Congo that's happening, <laughs> and like this, um, this president is elected, but then like he gets killed, and like all this drama is happening. And it's like <laughs> we're not going to tell this story from um like the perspective of a congolese person like no let's tell the story the perspective the story from the perspective of some white family that just happens to be there and like i kind of wonder if she did that on purpose like to be a little meta yeah maybe she is being a little meta also like i think it's it's like easier than for somebody who's from here to digest mm, like yeah it's more relatable and like who I don't think that this book is like, I don't know, I could be wrong, but like, I don't think this book is like popular in the Congo. It's popular here. Yeah. Yeah. And like, who is going to learn from the book? I think probably Americans. Yeah. Like Americans are going to be learning from the book. It's like, if it's written for uh, an American audience, maybe it is better to make your, um, your characters American. Yeah. And then I guess it is kind of nice because you, well, maybe, like, it's, you're almost growing and learning with your characters in a way. Like, yeah. you can, you can relate to them in, in their growth. And it's right. not like you're doing that on your own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it um, is ridiculous how many things, and I know I'm a hippo, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to say it already, I'm a hippo, but like, it is ridiculous how many things here is inessential. Like, yes. we have so many things that we don't need. I have, like, so much junk in my house that I don't use. I know. That was, like, because they, they talk about that um, where it's, like, this this kid who was raised in the Congo, like, comes to the U.S. at one point and goes to a supermarket and is, like, why do these people have so many options for things that they don't even need? And you're, like, oh, my word, yes. Like, we have so much stuff that we just don't need. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> On my desk right now, I have like 10 million pens. I only really need one. Why do I have so many? <laughs> <laughs> like, am I going to get rid of them? No. But like, why do I have so many? <laughs> this is just commentary. Do not apply this to your regular life. Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. But yeah, like, why do I have like so many clothes when there's just one body? <laughs> exactly. But I'm not going to get rid of my clothes because they're all cute. <laughs> We've learned nothing. I know. We're like, well, think about this. That's not like, it's not the Bible. We don't have to actually apply what we've learned. <laughs> oh, my oh, man. Um, but yeah, it was, it was thought provoking in some of those ways. But yeah. And there's also this thing, right? Of like, these people live day to day. Like, future is not, like, it's not something you think about when you're starving today. hmm And, like, that is really interesting for me because, you know, I feel like this American family, they're always looking forward. And, like, they're not really here yeah. all the time. But, like, yeah, it's just interesting. Yeah. And in some ways, they're almost looking too far forward. Like, when they, when they fly to the Congo... 
Um, they took like four boxes of cake mix because they were gonna have four like each daughter would have a birthday and so they were gonna like mm-hmm. make a cake for each one. Um and so it was like, okay, yay, we're thinking ahead. And then the first daughter's birthday comes and like the cake mix has hardened into like this rock solid mass and they can't use yeah. it, any of it. It's like because they thought so far ahead, they ended up not even being able to use what they had gotten. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. I thought that was interesting. That is interesting. You know what would make the Congolese people's jaw drop, especially in the 1960s? What? Was like a Sam's Club Costco situation. (laughs) Oh my word, yes. And I'm only saying this because like two hours ago, I was literally in Sam's Club. You You can go to a Costco and buy like two enormous tubs of chocolate covered almonds. Mm-hmm. And it's like, who needs two enormous co- <laughs> enormous tubs of chocolate covered eye um, almonds like saran wrapped together? Like, who needs that? No one. <laughs> oh man, like, this is so bad because because like I just re- the mental image of me and Luke like just going around the the aisles being like we're gonna save so much money <laughs> and like it's just filled to the brim <laughs> and we've lost. We like spent so much money, and me being like, "Yeah, we're gonna see these shavings in like a month or two, just wait." <laughs> like, it's so stupid. Well, I'm sure it's not stupid, but like, just like the idea Man. is so funny. Yeah, and like this is not how I was raised. Did you know, Jenny, that in the Philippines, it was like such a flex to be able to afford to buy a regular size bottle of shampoo. <laughs> really? Wait, I really? feel like you mentioned this once. So like in the Philippines, and like this is for me too, because like at the supermarket, like they hardly ever have regular size bottles of shampoo. What you do is they come, these shampoo, they, these shampoos, they come in sachets. So these are like basically- sachets? Yeah, that's what we called them, but like they're- like tiny squirts of shampoo in these like you know how like ketchup comes in like these tiny takeout little plastic things oh like little yeah. ketchup packets of shampoo yes and like they they come in rolls so you can buy like these rolls and so like when i was going grocery shopping with my parents like we would buy like maybe two weeks worth of these like rolls that's but so interesting people in an even worse financial situation than we were they would have to go to like the neighborhood store and buy a single ketchup packet of shampoo. Yeah. And like that was how you lived is like you just had your shampoo for the day and your tiny soap for the day and then you would just go. Yeah. So that kind of ties back to that thing of living like day to day, which is that it's almost like a, a, a privilege of wealth to be able to think about the future. Yeah. And like I – this story is like in the front of my mind because I told Luke about it today and he's like, no way. (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy. But yeah, that was just how moving here and thinking like, oh my gosh, like that's a lot of soap. That's a lot of shampoo. And now I don't even think about it. Yeah. I'm Methuselah. I've been (laughs) Methuselah. Hopefully you haven't been eaten yet. (laughs) I know. I I feel like I'd be Methuselah if you like set me free in the Philippines. Like I don't know if I would survive. <laughs> like I 
like I've been tainted. You've been, no, you've, been, been you've been colonized. I've been colonized. Oh man! Uh, All right, should we talk about some of our our hot takes on the book? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, Catherine, <laughs> what was your like number one hot take? Number one hot take. Uh, I need to refer to the discussion. <laughs> Oh no. Okay, we can't do all of these, right? We should do only a few. Yeah. Let's do um, um one each. Okay. If yeah. that's fair. Okay. Um Okay, hot take. The one of the sisters um gets inappropriately close to Antole, the local school teacher. And I just think that's inappropriate. Like, what are you doing? You are like in middle school and you're talking to this grown man and like you're quivering and like looking into his eyes like don't do that like go away don't don't um don't marry him how's about or like at least wait till you're 18 to date yeah um i will say middle school might be like a little extreme she was like 15 when this happened but okay and we don't quite know how old he is like it never says but i do agree that like you, I read it, and I was like, this feels like an inappropriate relationship. How old is he again? <laughs> like, why are you at his schoolhouse at night? That's kind of scandy. I'm not going to lie. Kind of uh, a little scandalous. A little lady of the night? I don't know. Yeah. Um, My hot take has to do with Nathan Price's character. Like, the dad. Because yes. it feels like he's written to be so extreme you're like there can't actually be anybody like this like Mm -hmm. he doesn't ever think about what his family needs or wants he he just like doesn't think about anybody else but himself it seems like and he's like convinced that he's sent from god to like fulfill this grand mission um and he kind of like goes crazy in the end and you read it and you think like hopefully nobody is ever like this but my hot take is that his character actually, I don't think, is super unreasonable. Like, you look at the the lives of some of the sort of great missionaries of the past. Some of them did, like, did, I guess, great work for the Lord, but also, like, very much neglected their own families. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there also have been a lot of missionaries, like, did harm by being convinced that the way that they went into this was the right way. I think that was one of the most... <laughs> Um, intriguing. Well, this is one of the really intriguing aspects of the book for me because I I feel like the like I don't know if Catholics are like this, but yeah. Mennonites are very about mission work. Like, um, you definitely if you like you definitely know a missionary somewhere. You definitely like have known people who've gone away to do missions for like a year or two. Right. Um, it's like a common thing for, thing for young unmarried <laughs> people to do is like uh-huh. to go do voluntary service. It's called for a year. Like this is a very normal thing. Um, but I feel like more and more now people are talking about where like when is this actually doing good? When this is doing harm? Yes. And Nathan was I think an extreme example of this doing harm. But it was, mm-hmm. a, like, a reminder that, um, like, I think mission work is is good and is important and is something we definitely need to do. But sometimes the people who go into missions are, are people like Nathan Price. Yeah. And, like, we really ought to be careful who we're sending on the mission field um, and make sure that they're actually, like, yeah. there to spread the word of the Lord and not to spread 
their own agenda. And also mm-hmm. to, like, um, not be there to, like, make people dependent on them and, like, more dependent on white people. But, like, if you're going into a colonized country, your goal should be to be making people more self-sufficient, I think. Yeah. I think it's, it's like, really difficult to do that, especially in, in that era or even in that point in time, is because, like, I guess it's a little later, but, like, when you're in these, like, ages of conquest or whatever, the, the justification is always, like, we're colonizing you to convert you to Catholicism or, like, convert you to Christianity. Yeah. Like, that was always, like, justification, like, way back when. Was it and like Rudyard Kipling who called it like the white man's burden? It's like oh, the white man's burden is to like keep these these poor like backwards people and make them more mm-hmm. like white people. Yeah, <laughs> we have to do it. Yeah, and like yeah, I understand why Nathan Price is in as intensely focused as he is because to him, mm-hmm. it's it's like. I'm trying to save your soul. Like, I'm trying to save you from eternal hellfire. Yeah. Like, please, let me do this for you. And, like, I understand, like, you need to, like, when you when you believe that, you need to, like, have a sense of urgency about you. Mm-hmm. Um, but he didn't, he didn't do it well. Um, I don't really know much about mission work just because, first of all, I'm Catholic and I'm a Filipino Catholic, meaning... I'm from a country where it's like 95% Christian. <laughs> so like there's nowhere really to go to evangelize. Like everyone believes in God or they're Muslim. Number two, if there was mission work, like we would be receiving the mission like, <laughs> like you're coming to us to do mission work. Like we don't, I don't know if like we have the money to like go out like that, you know? Imagine so, some like um, well-intentioned yeah. white person is like, I'm going to like white evangelical Christian is like, I'm going to go to the Philippines and do mission work because in their head, they're like, oh, it's a country that's not America. So they must need missions. And they go and it's like, everybody's Catholic. <laughs> they're like all more extreme. Yeah. They're, like all based in red built. <laughs> oh man but but yeah, yeah i don't know final bit time final bit time okay where would we take a a 1960s congolese person from the village that nathan price preached like where would we take them that would like blow their minds or like yeah. be like america is weird <laughs> <laughs> i have an idea Ooh. okay what is it okay Number one, I would take them to Michael's <laughs> because Michael's like literally sells sticks. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. And ironically, <laughs> I have seen like $5 sticks at Michael's. And unironically, I've thought to myself, I could just go outside and get this. <laughs> Let me get some foliage. Like literally go outside. Oh, 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 you want a thing made of twigs and acorns? No, no, no. You get it at Michael's for $20. Oh man. Okay, where would you take them? Um, I have a few thoughts. The one I'm thinking of right now is like Comic Con. 
trying to explain to this Congolese person that all these people love like reading these comics so much that they're like dressing up like these people and spending exorbitant amounts of money on like paraphernalia to go with them. <laughs> Either that or like yeah. Harry Potter Land or whatever at Disney or at Universal Studios, wherever it is. Yeah. Yeah, take them there. I feel like they would be like, what is going on? You know where I would take them? Where? Is a gym. Yes. It's like, why are these people running and not going anywhere? Yeah, exactly. It's like, watch me lift this for no reason. Let me run to nowhere. To keep me healthy, I just like go into this like big box of a room and just do things. Like it's so stupid. Yeah. You know where I would take them? Where? It's a college football game. It's like oh, why yeah. are we all jumping up and down right now? And like why like all the like weird little traditions that go with it. Yes. And then also just like why are we all sitting around watching men run into each other? And like we're so far away we can barely see anything. Yes. Or I would take them fishing, but like the kind of fishing where you catch them and then release them. <laughs> like, person who grew up in a third world country, even I'm like, that's so dumb. Like if I catch something, I will eat it. <laughs> Imagine you're like, we're just doing it for fun. Poop. Oh man. Oh. Imagine the like fish and wildlife or like fish and game or whatever they're called those people come along and you're eating like some some fish that's like three inches long and they're like oh man i feel like we came up with some some good ones yeah (laughs) or jenny i would take them to a doggy daycare it's like, yeah, we leave our dogs at the spa and they uh, get their therapy for their mental health. It's like literally an animal. Oh man, I would, I would take them to like, um, like a Gucci store or something, or like a like um, Hermes, mm-hmm. and be like, this bag. It's just a bag. It's gonna cost like everything you've ever owned. <laughs> More than everything you've ever owned. That would have some explanation, but yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Those are those are bangers. Those are good ones. That. <laughs> um, uh, all, right. all right. It's been a good time, Jenny. It's been a good time, Catherine. I've enjoyed our conversation. We got the energy up. I approve. We did get the energy up. Okay. This has been Idiot's Alphabet Soup Baboosh. Baboosh.